Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast and another episode of the Strut Report. I'm glad y'all are tuned in for this. I'm actually uh, recording now in Syracuse, New York, and it is below freezing, snowing outside, and to be honest, kind of miserable. I mean, I was just down last week in Southern Florida, so it was a total change uh, of pace, especially. But uh, anyways, guys, we have a great episode for today when it comes to the Strut Report. We're actually interviewing uh, three different individuals that are you know, kind of in the hunting industry that's, you know, in the Southeast that 
you know, really have had, you know, a lot of success in the past and bring a new aspect to especially turkey hunting, but also hunting in general. And the cool tactic that these three individuals use is they like using kayaks uh, for entry and exit routes, uh, especially on public land uh, where they can get in there and really get into different areas a little bit, you know, different from other people. I mean, that's the key. Uh, and they really do have a lot of success with that. And these individuals that we have on today are actually going to be Parker McDonald from the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Then we have Adam Cruz from the Down South Hunting Podcast. And then to finish this episode out, we actually have Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV. Again, guys, it's going to be a great content. And this is going to be an episode that's almost like a bonus episode. You know, we're doing our normal questions that we normally do with our strut report, but we're also you know, kind of letting these uh, interviewers, these reporters kind of go a little bit more in detail about how they're going about hunting and a little bit more detail about their season so far. So it's almost, again, kind of like a bonus episode, guys. And it's a really great episode. You're going to really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. And again, kind of go back to, you know, the basis of the strut report. We're bringing you, you know, the most up-to-date knowledge and report from the field from this part of the country, uh, which is the southeast. And for this week, we're actually going to be covering the state of Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina. So with that being said, guys, let's get right into the episode. All right, guys. And first on the line, I have Parker McDonald from the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. How you doing, Parker? I'm doing good, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, man. Well, I know uh, it seems like you're having a pretty good season so far, but before we kind of go into all of that, you know, give us a little background of uh, what part or what region of Alabama you actually live in and what region you actually hunt in. Yeah, so um, I actually live in, it's like central Alabama, north central, I guess you could call it. It's a town called Coleman. Um, I live there. It's like right in between Birmingham and Huntsville on the interstate, so you can't miss it. That's where I live. I hunt on a piece of, on a national forest that's around there um, in in north Alabama. It's a huge national forest, um, and it's actually in Winston County, which is for some ridiculous reason. I don't know why. I'm sure they have reasons for it, but our turkey season started uh, like two or three weeks later than most of Alabama. We were in one of those zones where our turkey season just started this past weekend. So it's been crazy. It's been good, but it's been tough for me seeing all these birds hitting the ground and I'm not even able to get out there yet. I can totally relate with you on that. I mean, with me being traveling so much right now, guys, I'm in uh, Syracuse, New York, and, you know, traveling and seeing all these guys hitting these birds at the ground. I've only hunted three times uh, this season. One was technically a bust. Uh, The hunt literally lasted for 30 minutes. And the other two hunts, I was hunting with Andrew uh, back in Alabama. We had some pretty good hunts. But, you know, I can definitely relate with that. I mean, just very, very limited hunting and seeing all these guys hit these uh, birds and, you know, putting birds on the ground in this kind of making you jealous because they're only, you know, 60, 70 miles south of you, you know, being able to hunt. And that, I mean, that's tough. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about your season. I know you had a really awesome opening day and opening week. But kind of tell us what you did preseason going into the season that kind of make yourself so successful. Yeah, so um, I am pretty much 100%, um, I would say maybe 95% public land unless I get invited to go somewhere on private land. And as most, most guys know, most guys know that if you hunt public land, you have to do your homework. You can't just go and sit over a, a, a field or, or anything like that because you don't have those. And so um, for me, I really started back during deer season. And I, I started this new method that I, was, that I used this year of, of using my kayak to access some, some property that is really only accessible by water. And uh, getting back into those landlocked places that are surrounded by by um, 
private land that you can't get to any other way than by the water. And so that's been my method and probably honestly the biggest tool that I've that I've had for deer season and for turkey season. And so during deer season, man, I saw turkeys all of the time and, and I would see where they would roost at. They were, I mean, a lot of times the turkeys would roost, you know, just within sight of where I was deer hunting at. And so I kind of had that in my mind, you know, going into the turkey season, knowing that that's where they were at. I'd see turkeys most times when I would be deer hunting. And, um, and so I guess probably, well, you know what? It was the opening weekend of the rest of Alabama's turkey season. I decided, you know what? I'm not going to be sitting at home. I'm still going to go out and do something. So I paddled out there and uh, just set up just to see if the turkeys were still there. And I took my camera and all that stuff. And um, I went out and, and just sat there and started started calling a little bit. And it was raining real bad. And, man, as soon as that sun came out, um, there was a gobbler just right on top of me. And so I had to just stop because I didn't want to I didn't want to get too close. You know, I just wanted to make sure they're there. And so I just had to stop and just watch him. He just walked the ridge probably 50 or 60 yards in front of me. And he was with a bunch of hens and then like a complete newbie. I was walking a different a different route just trying to see if I could locate some more birds. And I ended up running right into that guy. That Him and, him and uh, two other hens had just got into a completely different tree uh, after it was like 11 o'clock in the afternoon and they had gotten into a completely different tree and I guess something spooked them up there and I completely spooked them off and so I was a little bit worried man but it was it was okay it ended up it ended up working out for me okay oh yeah for sure so kind of go so that was kind of what you did preseason. now kind of tell us a little bit about you know, the night before season, your game plan of how you're going to go about hunting this area and kind of walk us through, you know, how you were able to uh, make it happen on the opening day. Okay, so um, I am a, I'm a worship pastor, and this this past weekend was like the Super Bowl of church work. It's Easter weekend, everybody's doing stuff, and I work at a, at a pretty large church, and we had services on Friday night, Saturday night, and on Sunday morning. And so on Friday night, um, which was the day before opening day, uh, <laughs> I didn't get to do anything. I was just going completely on faith that there was going to be turkeys in there. And so my game plan was just to go in, and I think I told you earlier that the, the area I'm hunting is really open hardwoods, so it's hard to sneak anywhere uh, unless it's before daylight. And um, it was real foggy on Saturday morning, and so I actually had to wait until – it was starting to peak daylight before I could even leave the boat ramp, and I have about 45 minutes of paddle time. And so I had to do that. It's better than getting lost and being completely behind. And so it was actually daylight when I got to my spot. And um, and so I just kind of got into a place where I thought there might be – I got on top of a ridge and um, where I actually had seen that turkey come down the, the a couple weeks before and started calling, and I ended up getting – it was actually just the way it happens, I guess. Hunters know this. Um, I called, and there was like three birds gobbling on the on the limb over where I was at previous a couple weeks ago when I was scouting. And so I had to just kind of sneak over there, and I ended up sitting there um, for just a little bit. And I had when I sat down, I should have looked up in the tree, and I didn't. But there was a hen roosted right above me. And I didn't have my camera rolling or anything, so I couldn't get I couldn't get footage. Once I saw her there, I didn't want to move, you know. But it was crazy, man, because I had three birds gobbling that I really needed to go after. But 
but I had that stupid hen up in the tree above me, and I just didn't want to. I didn't want to spook her off. Well, about an hour later, I got to where um, I got to where I was tired of it. That bird was gobbling like crazy, and so I went and chased him. And man, I, I just couldn't get. I couldn't get on him. And uh, it, I don't know what happened. He just. I guess he flew down. And this is what I'm realizing right now. I think we're in the stage where they're about to start getting stupid. Um, but I'm seeing them right now. They're at least in the area that I hunt on this day, this is what it seemed like. It seemed like the gobblers were not with hens. They weren't roosted with the hens, and but they were not talking at all after they flew down. They were they were just they were just silent. And so um, that's kind of what that that, my, that was my game plan going into it. But it quickly changed uh, when I. It's a, it was actually kind of luck, man. To be honest with you, it quickly changed when I left my phone up on top of a ridge and I had to actually hike back to it um to get to my maps because i was going to go to a different spot well once i got up there i was like you know what i'm just going to sit here and the way that this property works and this is kind of the main strategy that i have behind this whole this whole piece is um from the water to the property line to the to the boundary you have about five or six hundred yards of land and and what i do is i hunt the pressure coming off of the private land that is um really close and so uh, about 11:30, I just decided to set up right on the boundary of this of this private land and see if see if anything would come in. There's a there's a field not far away, and so my strategy was, I'm just going to get here. I'm going to sit down, and if there's a turkey in this in this area, it's going to have to come through here to get to this field because it's going to come through. It's going to be in that field at some point during the day, and so about 11:30, man, I he, he popped up over. I heard him scratching, and he popped up over, and I put the slam on him and it was it was cool man it was a cool opening day for sure no that's awesome now how long were you actually sitting there in that location before that bird worked past you yeah it was about an hour um so what i did was is and i've heard i've heard guys say this a lot before is when they're not talking patience is just the key and so i called for about 15 minutes really aggressive calling for about 15 minutes and that was at about 10 10 30 and then I just I just stopped and I sat there and just to let anything that was around know that I was in the area and about about 45 minutes later is when when he came out looking to see what was what was up going on and and that, that was a strategy that I've honestly never used before because normally you know in my success in the past I've been able to get them right off the roost um, and so I just decided to sit down and try it and see what happened and it ended up working to my advantage for sure well, that's awesome. Now, kind of, you know, it seemed like the birds were at least kind of being a little vocal, but, you know, what activity have you been hearing and seeing from either, you know, personal what you've experienced, but also maybe what you're hearing from other guys in that area of, you know, how the birds are reacting? Are they all pretty much across the board, you know, kind of shutting up once they hit the ground, or are you hearing anything different from anyone else up there? Yeah, so um, I'm really not, I'm not far from Tennessee, and I'm on a couple of Facebook pages in Tennessee and then on some here in Alabama. And it seems like everybody's kind of had the same, been saying the same stuff is they gobble like crazy on a limb and then they, and then they stop. And so I actually noticed that, um, I went yesterday morning on a piece of private land trying to call and film for a family member of mine. And we, we called like crazy, man, and, and could not get anything to talk. We didn't hear a single gobble all morning when we decided to, to relocate and figure out a different spot. We walked about 30 yards. And there were two gobblers walking in the road towards us, and we spooked them off. Mm. And so 
they were definitely hearing us. They heard every call that we were making, and they were coming to it. But um, you just, they just weren't they weren't saying anything. They just were being silent. Yeah, I think, man, I think that's the biggest strategy you can use right now. And it could change, man. It could change tomorrow. But it's the biggest strategy that you could use right now in um, in the turkey woods is just being patient. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's that's probably my weakness. I, I've talked about that on a couple different episodes of, you know, that is by far my weakness. Just because of my comfort level, uh, I've actually I, I broke my back about eight years ago. And uh, because of that, you know, I'll be sitting on the ground. I either have some lower back pains or, like, my legs will go to sleep and stuff like that. And it's this kind of uncomfortable. So I've got to buy me one of those uh, those little, like, lounge chairs or whatever they have. Uh, again, I'm yeah. not, not trying to be a wuss or anything, guys, but uh, I don't mind packing a little extra weight to be a little more comfortable and sit there and kill a bird. But, uh, you know, that's definitely something i got to put in the arsenal to help myself be more successful. Because, man, after about 30 minutes, I'm, I'm dying to get up again and just freaking stretch my legs or do something different. Um, but, you know, kind of going a little bit back to your story and everything, you know, do you think the temperature, you know, this little warm front that's kind of pushing through is affecting the birds at all? Or do you think, you know, the weather at this point of the time is kind of, you know, not really a, a, much of a factor right now? I do. I do think it is a factor. Um, and, the, and the reason I say that is because I was able to see how they were um, several weeks ago when it was a little bit cooler and they were actually gobbling on the ground. Um, pretty good, actually. And... And then this weekend, it was kind of like, it was silence, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, especially once once they flew down, it was, it was no, there was nothing to be heard. It was kind of, it was a little bit disheartening. And, and I do think it has a lot to do with the weather. I don't know, man. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, I'm not a professional. And so I, I can't really tell you any facts about it, but it just definitely seems like it has something to do with it. Yeah, and I, I truly believe that. And, again, that's kind of like why we do this strut report is, you know, I'll say right now, guys, not all this is, you know, science-based or anything like that. It's just more about experience. I mean, it's all about experience, what people are experiencing in their neck of the woods. And, you know, take it however you want to. Um, if you're hunting somewhere in, you know, north-central Alabama or, or anywhere pretty much in Alabama, if you're experiencing the same stuff, you know, take some of what Parker's saying and, you know, try to apply it to where you're hunting. And hopefully you'll be able to, you know, come out a little more successful or at least be able to have maybe a little better experience. But, uh, you know, kind of finish off this uh, interview, you know, what's something that, you know, a tip you might want to leave, uh, might would like to leave with the listeners of, you know, something that you've been doing or maybe something you're trying different now that's really helped you either be more successful or it's going to help you definitely in the future? Yeah, I've actually got, um, if you don't mind, i got like three really short ones that, yeah, I've, no problem. Been, that I've been doing. Um, the first thing is practice your calls. Like, listen, listen to, to um, YouTube videos, listen to anything that you could possibly use to practice your calling and learn what certain things mean, what certain sounds with a call. I mean, I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago, but I've been doing a putt, which is an alarm call. And I've been doing it for my whole turkey hunting career thinking that I was doing a cluck. And so, um, I was probably scaring more birds off than I was calling in. Um, so that's, that's number one. Uh, number two is like I already said, just be patient, be patient with these birds, especially, especially right now. If you've seen turkeys in the area, they're probably still there, um, and just be patient with them because they can probably hear you. Um, the second, the third thing I mean is uh, get where, especially if you're hunting public land, and uh, it, I, this applies too with private, but it definitely applies during public. With public hunting, you you've got to get where people are not. And so, my the biggest thing that I've used, man, with deer season and turkey season is hunting with my kayak. I cannot stress that enough. Um, using that to get back to where people are not going to be at. And 
And the fact is, is I've talked to a lot of people, and a lot of people are not willing to put in that amount of work. A bird or a deer isn't worth the amount of work that it takes to kayak in, and that's perfectly fine with me because it is worth it for me. So I'm not saying you have to do that. You don't have to kayak in all the time, you know, um, but find a method that sets you apart from other hunters and that will ultimately make you more successful. Yeah, and I, I truly believe that. I mean, anytime you can change uh, your entrance and exit routes, I think you're going to be better off in the woods. Like me and Andrew, we, we look at, you know, just different off-the-wall ways to get in there. We have not yet used a boat, though, like yourself using a kayak. But we've done some off-the-wall ideas of, you know, walking different stream beds, walking different creeks, uh, coming in from another piece of property to walk onto public that, you know, we have access on. And just doing different things like that to be able to get in from a different aspect, especially for deer hunting, but also for turkeys. You know, get in an area where, you know, turkeys or deer might not expect someone to be, uh, especially early in the day, something like that. You know, they're not really expecting it. You can get in there and have a little better uh, results. And I truly believe that's what you've had. I mean, I know you killed it during uh, deer season and it looks like you're, you know, going to be killing it during turkey season as long as you can make some time for it, man. But uh, once again, Parker, man, I appreciate you coming on, dude, and uh, making a little time for us. And again, guys, y'all need to go check out the Southern Ground uh, podcast and give uh, Parker some support and like him on Facebook and uh, give him some love, guys. He's got some great info that uh, he's dropping every other week. So stay tuned for what he's going to be doing, especially when it comes to deer hunting, man. But once again, Parker, I appreciate you coming on, brother, and you have a great evening, okay? All right, Jacob. I appreciate it, man. Y'all have a good one. All right, guys. And next on the line, uh, Adam Cruz from the Down South Hunting Podcast. How you doing, Adam? Hey, Jacob. I am doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you, man, making a little time for us today. I know we're both traveling right now, so, uh, you know, it's kind of busy trying to work around everybody's schedule, but, you know, I appreciate your time, man, but, you know, kind of give us a little bit of background of what part of the state, uh, region-wise, you hunt in Tennessee. Yeah, I hunt in, I would say, about 20, 30 miles northeast of Nashville, so hunt up there. Uh, in the past, I've had quite a bit of public land or private land to hunt uh, as far as a leased land for turkey hunting. And this year, I actually do not have that lease. So I'm hunting a very small parcel of private land, which is about 80 acres. And then I'm hunting some uh, public land areas around Nashville. Okay, perfect. And that, I mean, that's kind of something, again, we kind of relate with a lot of our listeners is, you know, being able to use your public lands uh, and being effective at it. And, you know, kind of going about that, I know y'all's season just opened up. Uh, so kind of kind of give us a little recap of your opening day and how all that went and, uh, you know, kind of some of the activity you were seeing on that opening day and what you're hearing from other guys. Well, opening day is, uh, it kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't check the weather. So I woke up and I was actually going to hunt a piece of public land by my, with my kayak. And so I left my kayak outside instead of in the garage and I woke up and that sucker was frozen. I mean, the paddles (laughs) were like iced over. It was cold, 27 degrees. And I went to bed and it was nowhere near, you know, in that 27 degree range. So I got out there on the water and wasn't really expecting a whole lot just based off of how cold it was. And I was in a new area for me. I'd never turkey hunted over there, never deer hunted over there. Just basically looked at a, a topo map and said, okay, this is where I believe turkeys should be right now. Uh, you know, it's kind of a surprise that I'm actually having to hunt public land right now. So that's that's one of the reasons I'm not as well prepared. But, man, I got out there, and within 10 minutes, I was on a bird that was gobbling his head off on the limb. And it's one of those things with the inexperience of trying to hunt from a kayak um, and close to the river. Like, there was a bend in the river, and I kind of thought this bird was actually deeper up, steeper up on this hillside um, in the woods. And, man, 
sure enough, he was like on the limb hanging over the water. <laughs> and when I turned his bed in the river, I could see him. He could see me. He didn't He didn't fly off. He didn't do anything crazy. But I just kept on paddling and easing by him. But uh, he never gobbled again the whole morning. But what my, my plan was just kind of go past him and see if we could find some other birds. And sure enough, man, like within – I had paddled 50 more yards, and I got on two more birds. Uh, further down and so like the way i was paddling it made the same mistake i just kind of stopped short of, uh, of where those birds would be found me a good place to kind of make landfall and got in between the gobbler that i went past and those other two but as soon as they came off the limb they stopped gobbling and they went straight to private land and that's uh that's kind of been my season i actually I actually have a, a six-year-old boy. I took him on the juvenile hunt the week before. Conditions were very similar. Took him on private land, and we got up there, and again, the birds were gobbling their heads off on a limb. But when they came down, they were with hens, and they're just flocked up. And everywhere, um, you know, everywhere I've been so far to hunt, scout, whatever, turkeys are just still flocked up. Okay, yeah, I got you. I mean, definitely with that colder morning like that, man, it's that's that makes for a, a miserable morning, especially man, you paddling. I would hate to get wet uh, with it being that cold. Uh, that would it's sound freezing. like yeah, that yeah. sound like a horrible trip. <laughs> I'll give you that. So you're a little more dedicated than myself. I probably would have been like, mm, we're going to find some place I can just walk into. But uh, that's awesome. And now, you know, I'm guessing, you know, I guess, you know, temperatures definitely played a factor there. But, you know, have you all had any much of a any much of a warm front since that opening weekend lately? Yeah, I mean, it's warmed up a little bit. And I kind of keep tabs of what's going on in the woods around my house based off of what's going on on Facebook. I follow a lot of Facebook groups like Tennessee Turkey Hunters and some other groups like that. And I also have a lot of buddies that I stay in contact real frequently with. And so although I'm running into a lot of birds that are flocked up and kind of got some locked jaw, a lot of them are not seeing that. Like by midday when it actually warms up and some of these birds are, some of these gobblers are breaking away from the hens, they're getting fired up a little bit. Not fully, but a little bit. Okay, awesome. I know one of our short reporters, uh, Joey Bell, kind of say you know similar things. You know, he's able to get both of his birds in the afternoon. Kind of once they all kind of split up, and he was able to get some birds coming, but they were always kind of coming in, you know, relatively quiet or gobbling every now and then. But you know, kind of you know wrap up a little bit of this episode or this uh, this uh, interview. You know, what's something that you've done these past couple of years that you kind of always go to for success and something you'll continue to do that maybe one of our listeners can, you know, try out and, you know, see if it is effective for them as a tactic? Man, I actually mentioned this on our podcast that we released yesterday, but one of the early season tactics that I have is a lot of times, you know, these turkeys will be flocked up together, they'll roost together, and a lot of times you got multiple gobblers, multiple jakes in that same flock. Well, what happens is, is a lot of times they kick one of these gobblers out. And it's usually not even a jake. It's like a legit boss hog gobbler. But they all pick on him. They kick him out. And what does he want to do? He wants to be with them. So he doesn't roost with them. What will end up happening is, is these birds be gobbling from the limb. They all come down together. They all, you know, all the hens start yelping and cutting and all that stuff. Well, this gobbler he will want to connect with this flock again. It's like, they're, you know, they're not smart creatures here. <laughs> they're gonna, he's going to keep going back and getting his butt kicked. So I found one tactic is that when you go out to roost a bird in the evening, if you can get on a flock and then find that bird that's possibly uh, broken away from the flock but will rejoin them, is if you can get in between the two, you don't even have to make a call. You just got to be, like, know the terrain, know where he should come through. I mean, it helps if you can, like, 
put some other pieces together. But I think that's one of the coolest uh, tactics that I kind of came up with over the last few years, and that's really been from hunting a lot of uh, big field birds, uh, having a lot of acreage where I could actually just kind of see what's going on and not have uh, woods in my way and, and timber in my way. So I kind of picked that up. Okay, that's awesome. And that's definitely something, you know, I'll try, you know, hopefully try in North Carolina uh, when I'm down there hunting is just, you know, try something different like that. I mean, I never really thought about that tactic and I'm relatively new to turkey hunting and I think that's a great idea. And all you listeners out there, you know, definitely try that, especially if you're hunting, you know, either private or public land and have a decent turkey flock on that property is, you know, try to slip in there and, and like you say, get in between that, you know, that lone bird and the flock and, you know, just, heck, you might just all have to do in the morning is just scratch the leaves a little bit and have that bird come by you. But once again, Adam, man, I appreciate your time coming on tonight and, you know, helping us out. And also, guys, just a little shout-out to uh, Down South Hunting Podcast. I mean, y'all, uh, Adam, uh, you and Mike are definitely the inspiration for uh, me and Andrew to start this podcast, man. We appreciate everything y'all do and staying for when it comes to Southern hunting and the aspects and traditions of Southern hunting. So, once again, brother, I appreciate you coming on, guys, and y'all need to check them out. And uh, once again, man, have a great evening. I hope you have an awesome season, and we'll stay in touch, okay? Hey, it's a pleasure coming on, and I enjoy what you and uh, you and Andrew are doing. Doing a great job. Keep it up, guys. All right, guys. And next on the line, I have Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Just getting out. I got out of the woods a little while ago. Um, trying to roost, roost a bird. Didn't hear anything this evening, but hopefully they'll be talking in the morning. Oh, yeah, and, and again, guys, uh, so Jordan is going to be covering the state of both Georgia and South Carolina today, so we're going to have a two-part uh, with him. It's going to be uh, you know a lot of cool content because another cool thing about Jordan, uh, like our first two uh, reporters, he also uses a kayak for entrance uh, on certain pieces of properties. And another thing is he is a big public land hunter. Uh, now, Jordan, kind of tell us a little bit about you know what parts or what regions of Georgia – uh, first of all, where you're from in Georgia, but also what regions of Georgia you hunt in and also what regions of South Carolina you hunt in. Okay. Uh, well, I'm from uh, Bullitt County, Georgia, originally. I'm, I'm actually living in uh, a town not far from there now. Uh, but Georgia, I, you know, I hunt towards the northern part of Georgia, like below Atlanta, uh, all the way down. My season will take me all the way from there all the way down to the coastal region. Uh, so it's a pretty good little swamp there from the southeast to kind of the central Georgia. That's really where I hunt in Georgia. Uh, Carolina, you know, coastal all the way up to the center part of the state is where I hunt in Carolina. Okay, perfect. Now, you know, kind of give us a little recap of y'all's season so far. I know you've had a pretty good one, and uh, kind of gives us a recap of both, you know, how you've been doing in Georgia and South Carolina. Okay, well, uh, you know, Hunting Carolina just started on that because public opened uh, this past Monday. Uh, as far as the season so far, um, gobblers still, you know, my report from South Carolina would be gobblers are very much grouped up. Uh, they are responding pretty good to the call. I mean, I, <clears throat> I went to the first bird that I heard. Uh, he gobbled probably 655. Kind of abnormal uh, for them to gobble that late on the roots, but he uh, just didn't say anything early enough for me to kind of get around on him. But when I heard it, he was probably 1,000, 1,200 yards away, and I struck out. He was probably two, three ridge tops from me, and uh, I struck out to go to him. By the time I got to the first ridge, everybody else <laughs> decided to declare their uh, presence. So I you know, kind of had to stop what I was doing and get on those birds. But 
Yeah, I ended up calling in four gobblers uh, together with about four jakes. It was eight gobblers total. And they came in there at about 40 yards, uh, but with a bow and the camera and all that. You know, I was waiting for them to commit so I could get a shot. And they ended up swinging behind me uh, and just kind of walking the base of that ridge behind me. They wanted to come. They just wasn't quite, you know, sure about it. But So that was kind of South Carolina. I did hunt all day in Carolina. Um, I went to some other places. I did put the kayak in on a creek system. I went about a mile down it. Uh, just the trough of that creek was just too much to get the call sounding out there across, you know, the, the uh, terrain that I was on. Uh, and also there was some rapids there. It was a little bit too rocky for me. Um, but I did get out of there finally. <laughs> it was a task, but I went and scouted after that and found some other you know, creek systems are probably a little bit more favorable to do what I was trying to, you know, troll for a bird. Um, so that's kind of South Carolina. Uh, Georgia, we started off in youth season. Uh, caught up a bird for a girl, her first turkey uh, ever, so that was good. Um, that hunt kind of went down. It was, there's probably, birds were really hinned up. They were grouped up. There's probably three gobblers with, I want to say, 10, 11 hens. Um, and, didn't want to have anything to do with us. Uh, when I encounter birds like that, my my first thing I do is I start real soft with the hens, see if I can uh, kind of just pique their interest to come see me. Uh, and if that doesn't work, I kind of go to my next my next uh, thing on the list. Uh, tricks up my sleeve is I try to you know make one of those ball hens mad. Uh, I did those things, didn't really work. And then I mean they were talking to me some, and then I went to my last resort or one of my last resorts which is a mock fight, and I grabbed a, a big treetop that I cut down for cover, and uh, I started slapping that thing and doing a fight for and brought all the hens and the gobblers in tow, and uh, she shot her a gobbler. But that was the first successful hunt of the year. Second one um, encountered kind of a satellite bird. I noticed the season in Georgia started, you know, with birds grouped up, like I say, and um I think they're trying to sort out that pecking order a good bit. I think some of these birds are getting kind of kicked out of the group, and those are the birds that's, that's dying real easy. Um, that's kind of what the, my, the second bird that we killed was, was me with a bow, and, and that kind of um, that's kind of that played out. Uh, that was the second time I had called him in. I called him in on opening day. He came up there to the decoy at 10 yards and didn't hang around long enough, and then the following Monday is when I actually, uh, you know, killed him. But that was the second bird of the year. Uh, the third and fourth birds, we found some gobblers in a field. Um, couldn't get on them. Couldn't get around on them, just the topography of the, you know, terrain we were hunting. So we elected to uh, bump them out of the field slowly with a truck. Like, we you know, we were a farmer checking the field. And they kind of eased on off from us. We waited a little while. Um, about 10, 15 minutes, got everything set up, went and parked the truck, went back, let everything calm down about 20 minutes. I started calling. Next thing you know, here they come. So that was uh, number three and four. They were by themselves. That was later in the week. So you kind of started to see some of these birds kind of by themselves. Um, not so much hand up as bad. Still still battling with some hens, though. Uh, hens are still, you know, I'll, I'll, they're not acting... The gobblers aren't uh, burning it up left and right right now, right yet. I think we're probably still about two weeks out from that point where you're going to 
you're going to get on a lot of goblin birds in the evening. Um, the fifth bird was my dad that just this past Saturday um, pretty much set up uh, in the woods, about 100 yards from the woods, on the edge of a field uh, that I knew some birds may come to. Um, ended up scratching the leaves, just blind calling and turning clucking and had two gobblers come all the way across the field to investigate us and uh, got them fired up. They come on in there, uh, just kind of going back to the basics, you know, with the shotgun, no decoy. He was able to shoot one and, and could have shot the other one, but we decided to leave him for another another day. Um, and then South Carolina, yeah, I just told you about it. Um, hunting pressure on that public was not that bad. I mean, there were people parked um, at a lot of gates, but then again, you know, I didn't see anybody hunting that past 12 o'clock. Yeah, and that's something actually we've noticed is, uh, you know, while me and Andrew were hunting in Alabama a little bit and he, since he's been out there, is, you know, he's seeing some cars and trucks parked a little bit, but he's never really running into anybody and never having any issues. That's one thing that kind of deters, I think, a lot of people from hunting public land is, you know, they all think that, oh, I'm going to run into somebody, which I ha- I will say I have done that one time. I've actually called a guy in uh, on one hunt, which is, it, it, it was it was crazy. That, that's for another episode, guys. But <clears throat> anyways... I guess I sounded that realistic, but uh, but there I mean, on that on that aspect, you know, we rarely ever run into any guys, you know, during turkey season. Again, a lot of people really kind of worried about that. And it's something you don't necessarily have to worry about a whole bunch on public land. I mean, you do need to be precautious. You don't you don't need to be reaping, you know, turkeys on public land and open fields uh, or in timber. I mean, that's a great way to get shot. But other than that, man, and using I guess strutting decoys. I mean, it, it's relatively safe. You don't have to worry about really a whole bunch of other people unless you're doing something really stupid like you shouldn't be doing, like maybe setting up a straight gotcha. decoy within 100 yards of a parking lot. Um, gotcha. Yeah. But, but, if somebody used the strutter uh, on the Carolina setup that morning off the roost, I mean, I was a little reluctant. Uh, I actually was, you know, the first person there. I made sure I got there really, really early. I was there probably 4.30. Uh, at 4.45, I had the first truck pull up, and uh they were actually very cordial, very good, you know, nice guys. Uh, sounded like some sportsmen, you know, really, really good dudes. And uh, we talked for a little while, and they, they conceded to give me the spot, and I was there first. So that was a nice change of pace. You know, I hunted Florida public land. Um, I ended up killing my bird on private, but I did uh, hunt Florida public land, and I had probably two or three sets of people walk past my truck at a dead-end road where I was parked, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not like Florida, it's, it's actually, you know, like Georgia, a lot of the public land I hunt in Georgia, if you're there first, and you know, most people, they'll go on to another spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very similar with Alabama, but kind of going about you a little bit more, I, and again, guys, the cool thing about, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, he does, like our first two listeners, hunts and uses a kayak, but he also, I guess, tries to be the most difficult public land bow hunter ever because he bow hunts for turkeys on public land. I don't know how much more difficult of a hunt you could go on. Uh, so that's, you know, that's pretty awesome, Jordan, that you're able to do that and have success, uh, you know, year in, year out doing that. And you also do have some pretty cool setups, the way you go about uh, setting up your bow and your suit and everything to be able, you know, harvest that because you don't use a blind. You know, a lot of guys think, you know, if you're going to bow hunt for turkeys, you've got to use a blind, and you definitely don't do that. And, you know, you're extremely successful with it. So that that's kind of a cool aspect that, you know, well, I will. I will say this too. Um, have have not um, have not. I'll clear the air on this. 
have started using the bow on public. So when I started hunting years ago, I, I shot my first turkey, I think I was 12 years old. Um, and I hunted a lot of public back in the day, you know, with the shotgun and everything. Now, this is my first rodeo with a bow on public. So stay tuned for this uh, <laughs> this this venture because, yeah, this is my – I've hunted public with a shotgun and everything, but this is kind of a, a new challenge, I guess, for me to do it with a bow. So most of the birds I've killed – I have went out west now um, and hunted some public. But as far as southeast and everything, this is my first venture with a bow. So I came close this past Monday, but I guess you could say I'm a glutton for punishment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to embrace that suck factor and you know kind of get through <laughs> it. So yeah, one of that individual that uh, me and Andrew both look up to, Remy Warren, who's a huge Western hunter. He he talks about that all the time. Is you know you got to embrace the suck factor. I mean, embrace the suck. You know, it's gonna yep. be miserable now, but you're gonna look back at it and it's gonna you have a lot of good memories from it. And I mean, I can kind of see that being you know bow hunting on public land because man, it's hard to get birds you know within 20 yards of you um, public land. <clears throat> you know, you know at least consistently. Uh, but right. you know. Well, kind of going back a little bit more to your season, you know, have you seen anything uh, since opening weekend in Georgia uh, view season? Anything about the weather at all affecting the birds, uh, you know, since the season's progressed? Not really. I mean, the way the way I do it is, you know, if it if I've got time, I'm there. Um, I'm there if it's 30 mile an hour gusts. I'm there if it's pouring down rain. Um, I don't use a blind, but I'll sit in the rain. I mean, you can't kill them on the couch. That's I hate to use that saying because we've heard it so many times, but that's the truth. And um, the biggest thing, I guess, is the principle that I take, one of the most important principles I feel like is, you know, a positive attitude is the one thing you can't buy. It's the one thing you can't put in your turkey vest, but it's the one thing that will kill the fire out of the turkey. You know, if you have a positive attitude and just get after it, you know, if something happens, doesn't go my way, like, like the whole off the roost in Carolina, I just went right back to the drawing board and started going. You know, it's, it's that it's embracing, like you said, embracing the grind and uh, just pushing yourself every available minute, hour, trying to find that next willing, per, you know, participant. But oh yeah, you know, the weather's been it's been we've had cold, real cold. I've got a banded fleece that I've been wearing. I mean, it's it's been that cold, um, and then it's been. Golly, man, yesterday evening we were hunting uh, with another girl trying to get her first turkey, and uh, it was so hot at probably 4 o'clock, I think, I took off my shoes just to release some of the heat out of my extremities. I mean, it was it was bad. I felt like I was in the Sahara Desert. Hmm. Okay, cool. Now, you know, kind of going a little bit back uh, to one of these questions, kind of to end or finish off this report, you know, what's a tip or tactic of something that you've done year in, year out that, you know, you kind of fall back on when it comes to being successful that, you know, you'd like to live, leave with our listeners that maybe they can try out this season and maybe help them out uh, throughout this season as it progresses? All right. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's a really great question. That is a, a super loaded question for me, but I'll try to answer it the best way I know possible. Um, every situation is different. Every single situation is going to call for a little bit different of an approach. Um, that that could be uh, taking that bird's temperature, taking that hen's temperature that is with that bird, taking that gobbler's temperature, um, how you move on a bird, 
calling and cutting the distance, calling and cutting the distance, calling and cutting the distance. Um, how you approach that bird on the roost, if, if you normally approach it from one way, and you can tell that most people are going to approach it from one way on public or, or pressured private, because I've hunted both. I've hunted birds on private that, that were harder, a lot harder than birds that you know I've killed on public. But taking a different approach to that bird, um, approaching him from an angle that he probably hadn't been called to by a hunter yet. Um, those are the things, I, I guess, quick tip. Uh, and, all, and always paint the picture. Now, if you're going to use a gobbler decoy, uh, like, of course, you know, me with the, with the bow, I've got to use one a lot of times just because it helps me get that last 30 yards that I need. But paint that picture for that bird and Jake yelping at him, just like when you watch a Jake, Jake counts to a bird that's strutting and he comes up there or I gobble at him as he's coming, which is something you got to be careful with on public land. But when he pops over that hill and he sees a reassurance of what he should, what he's heard is what he's seeing, that makes a big difference a lot of times. Oh, yeah, and I think that's a lot of good points that, you know, especially with the Jake Yelp, that's actually something that Andrew's uh, implemented this season and has actually had really good success with it. Uh, by Jake yelping to, like you said, paint the picture. I mean, you don't need to just be over there, you know, yelping, purring, and clucking the whole time. I mean, you can, but if every other hen's doing that, you got to change it up and make that bird that you're trying to call to a little more fired up and thinking that there's a Jake in there trying to steal this lady from him. I mean, and, and, and Andrew, yep. Andrew uh, on the one of the first couple of days of season on public land, he had this bird that was just going off, just hammering, 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 and he would come in, you know, you know, a couple hundred yards from him on this other side of this ridge, but he wouldn't close the distance until he started Jake yelping. And he literally started Jake yelping, and this long beard started yelping back at him coming down the ridge and coming across the creek to him. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. So, I mean, that's a tactic. I've seen them do some crazy things when they hear that, that tattletale fire off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And that's another thing. I mean, guys, kind of like we talked about on this last episode uh, that we just released on Monday – how uh, Andrew and myself were able to call in two birds by uh, gobbling on a box call, uh, which was is pretty crazy. And it's definitely something, you know, I'll try a little bit more throughout the season uh, when I can. But, uh, you know, once again, Jordan, I do appreciate you coming on, dude, and making a little time for us tonight. And, again, guys, y'all need to go support Jordan and uh, check out his uh, show online, you know, the Close Proximity TV. And with that being said, you know, Jordan, how can people get in touch with you and, you know, connect with you through social media? For sure, man. Yeah, um, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, those are the three channels that uh, social media platforms that, that I'm on uh, there at Close Proximity TV. And uh, really the main goal of, of that channel is <clears throat> I'm, I'm basically just showing people, you know, what I do and, you know, how I hunt and everything. And, and uh, that's, that's basically what it is and, and trying to, um, you know, use it as a way to witness you know, the people for Christ. So, um, I, I try to put everything in perspective and, um, the main reason I'm here is, is because of God, you know, and uh, I try to, I try to worship him because he's, he's the one that created all these things that we get to hunt. You know, it's a, it's a blessing, uh, what he's provided for us here. Yeah, hands down. I mean, you always got to thank the creator every time you're out there, you know, experiencing, you know, what he's developed 
because uh, again, he's worked his paintbrush to be able to provide everything that we're out there in living uh, when it comes to chasing turkeys. I mean, they're such a beautiful bird too. So you really can see, you know, what's God done uh, to be able to create such a beautiful animal for us to go out and harvest and, you know, the opportunities we have in this country to be able to do something like that. But, uh, you know, Jordan, once again, wow. brother, you know, well, once again, man, I really do appreciate you coming on, dude, and, you know, supporting us and be able to come on and just help out our listeners to really connect on what you do, especially what you do best and how people can relate with you, man. And again, you're just an average guy, dude, and, you know, just extraordinary things. I mean, you're doing a great thing for what you're doing in your cause and everything, man, you're taking a lot of people hunting. And, you know, again, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. And I hope you have an awesome season. We'll definitely stay connected throughout the rest of the season and see how you progress, okay? For sure, brother. Hey, I really appreciate y'all, and uh, good luck to y'all. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies so you guys don't miss it it's june 28th through the 30th i'm telling you if you listen to this podcast this is an event you need to be at now we'll see you guys at the mobile hunters expo june 28th through the 30th in dalton georgia